Hello and welcome back to the WP Elevation Business Podcast. I'm Ray Miladoni, the Marketing Manager here at WP Elevation. Over the last few years, we've been producing this podcast and we're always delivering new, fresh guests and ideas. But we kind of got thinking the other day, there's some really good golden nuggets deep down in the archives. So to bring them back to the top, we're doing a best of series. This is the WP Elevation Business Podcast, The Best Of. You're going to rehear some of the guests that have come on the podcast that the information is just too good not to hear again. With lots of new subscribers, I'm not sure if everyone's digging down to the gold that's at the bottom of the barrel. And that's a shame because business principles that have been taught from many of the leaders on our podcast over the years is just oozing with information and waiting to be heard and implemented. So I really hope that you enjoy the fact that we've gone down into the analytic rabbit hole and crunched all the numbers and read all the comments and found the best of the WP Elevation Business Podcast. Now, this content can be dated. So some of the things that have been mentioned, while the principles are strong, there might be a competition or there might be a call to action that may no longer work. So just be mindful of that if there's a reference to a link and that link doesn't work anymore. Well, that's enough from me. Back to the program and hope you enjoy. But be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're using. The best link to go to is wpelevation.com slash podcast and then follow the links to your podcatcher. Until next time, I'm Ray Mladoni. Go Elevate. G'day, Troy Dean from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode 74 of the WP Elevation podcast, where we are testing a new microphone, the iXY stereo mic for the iPhone, just frankly because it's easier and takes less time than clipping on the little lapel mic and plugging it into the digital recorder. And we have one of our WP Elevation members here in the studio, James Fulton, is just sitting over here, and it's making me a little bit wigged out and a bit nervous about doing this while we've got an audience. Anyway, um, hey, on today's episode, we've got Guy Kawasaki, Chief Evangelist, ex-Chief Evangelist at Apple. He was there during the late 80s and the 90s during Steve Jobs' golden years. Uh, it's a fascinating conversation. He's now Chief Evangelist at Canva, which is a Sydney company. They're a drag and drop design service. You can check it out at canva.com. I talked to Guy Kawasaki about what a chief evangelist actually does and why that's an important role. Um, There's also some great links to some TEDx talks that Guy Kawasaki has given over the years. And I'm giving away a copy of Guy's book, The Art of the Start. So stick around for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast. Helping WordPress consultants elevate. The WP Elevation Business Podcast is brought to you by our members. That's right. This podcast wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for our members. So we want to take a moment to just thank them, past, future or present. We really do love what you have created as a community at WP Elevation. This is the reason why this podcast can be a free resource that we produce at a high quality, not only audio, but also video, and able to syndicate that through the WordPress community. So if you've ever listened to a podcast and wondered how do we make this happen, well, it's because of our loving members and their support throughout the years. So we wanted to take this moment to thank you and make sure that you're appreciated and know that we would not be here if it wasn't for you and your support. So if you want to find out more about which members I'm talking about and what the program is all about, be sure to check out WPElevation.com. There's heaps of resources, checklists, podcasts, you name it. There's lots of resources there to help you elevate your business. Well, that's enough from me. And once again, from the deepest of our hearts, thank you for being part of our community. Back to the program. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation. And I'm over the moon to have with me all the way from Northern California, Guy Kawasaki. Hey, Guy, how are you? 
Sorry, oops, <laughs> I hit my face. Oh. It's, an, it's an absolute pleasure and honor to have you on the show. For those that don't know, um, Guy was Chief Evangelist at Apple and is now Chief Evangelist at Canva.com, which we're going to talk a little bit more about. Uh, and I'm giving away one of Guy's books. I'm going to give away The Art of the Start, uh, which is uh, one of Guy's most recent books. Um, stick around for details on how you can enter that competition. And it's specifically related to WordPress freelancing, so that should be interesting. Hey, Guy, before we start geeking off about the internet and all things entrepreneurial, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I, you know, I'm 60 years old. I can't even remember. <laughs> uh, well, I... Okay, I can't tell you what I wanted to be, but I can definitely tell you with total certainty that it wasn't to be a writer and a speaker and an evangelist because, uh, you know, I was born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii. That's just inconceivable. I mean, who, who would have heard of any of those things? So I don't know what, but it definitely, I definitely ended up in something that I did not plan as my childhood. How, did, do you remember the first time that you realized that technology was going to be something that played a big part in your life? Oh, absolutely. So uh, one day, my college classmate, you know, uh, he, he basically showed me an Apple One, and I said, well, I don't really get the Apple One, but I went out and bought an Apple IIe, and the Apple IIe changed my life. You know, word processing and, and database, and there was this application called AppleWorks, which was word processing, database, and spreadsheet put together. And to date myself, you know, I was coming from a world where you, you paid a typist to type your term papers on an IBM Selectric typewriter. And if you were lucky, you had a correctable IBM Selectric typewriter. <laughs> you probably don't even know what a typewriter is. So. I do. I do, actually. <laughs> okay. And so if, if you've been you know, paying people, I can't even remember how much per word, or if you've been typing your term papers and, you know, using whiteout and correction tape, and then they present you with an Apple IIe with word processing and you can backspace and you can, you know, oh my God, I mean, this is like, you know, <laughs> stepping off a plane and, you know, landing in Australia. Like, holy cow, <laughs> there's a whole new world out here, man. You know? And was it, was it instant? Did you instantly think, first of all, what were you studying at, at university, at college? I was a psych major ah. at Stanford and... Honestly, it's because psychology was the easiest major at Stanford at the time. Right. Yeah. So, so was this discovery of technology for you, was it an instant left turn into, okay, I've now got a whole new career path ahead of me? No, it was more, um, wow, this is just the most useful thing in the world. Uh, it, it didn't occur to me that I could make a living doing it. Uh, but the same guy who introduced me to the Apple One and Apple Two, he went to work for HP, and from HP he went to Apple. And so one day he showed me a Macintosh. This was after we graduated, and the the leap from IBM typewriter to Apple Two, which was a humongous leap, there was another leap for me, which was Apple Two to Macintosh. So when you when I first saw Macintosh. It's WYSIWYG display, it's integration of fonts and uh, type and graphics, WYSIWYG printing, Mac Paint, you know, with a mouse, not just using four cursor keys. Another leapfrogging religious experience. <laughs> and so when I first saw Macintosh, I said, hallelujah, man, this is like, you know, the second coming. 
And at what point in your so so at what point did you then become start working for Apple? How did that relationship? I mean, you were a fan, obviously. You had you, yes. you knew people that worked there, but how did you actually get in the door? Because uh, Mike Boich tried to hire me for one job at the time. I was working in the jewelry business, and I was interviewing at Apple for one job, which didn't work out, uh, and probably rightly so. I was not suited for that. And then about six months later. Uh, Mike Boyd called me with another job, and this is the software evangelism job, and this is the job that I took at Apple in the Mac division, and the rest is history. So, uh, yeah, it's been quite a ride. Um, just just to give uh, our readers some context, you were uh, you were in the you were in Apple in the early days, mm-hmm. and so were you there? Just as I said, just to give our readers some context, were you there when Steve Jobs left and came back, or had you had you already yes. gone by that point? Right. Uh, I was there when he left and came back. I worked from 83 to 87. Right. 84 is when Macintosh was introduced. And I worked there from 95 to 97. Right after I left is when Apple introduced the colored iMacs, you know, the mm. blueberry, tangerine, cherry, yeah. a tear-shaped iMacs. Yeah. So that happened just after I left. And, and you know, those, that was a turning point for Apple, uh, those colored Macs, believe it or not. And so that's when I worked there. Um, and what is it, for those that don't know, what does a chief evangelist actually do? Okay, so evangelism comes from Greek words meaning bringing the good news. And so what an evangelist does is you bring good news. And so I brought the good news of Macintosh that it would increase people's creativity and productivity. And now with Canva, I've embraced the chief evangelist title again because I believe that Canva brings the good news about democratizing design, mm. that you don't have to buy or rent very expensive products and go up you know, this massive learning curve that you know, using a fast and free and easy online service, you can design great graphics and that's going to change uh, graphic design. Mm. It's interesting you use the word democratize. I was watching uh, one of your TED Talks yesterday where you opened at Berkeley. Um, And by the way, for those that haven't seen it, it's worth watching just for the gag that you have at the start about the conversation between you and your wife. It's fantastic. I'm not going to spoil it, but I'll put a link in the show notes because it had me in stitches. Um, So... um, Canva, by the way, is fabulous. We love it. We use it here internally. I'm also going to put a link to that in the show notes. I'm going to talk about that a little more in detail. But you use the word democratize, and you, you talk about companies like Google and Facebook and Apple and, and WordPress. In fact, Matt Mullenweg's mission with WordPress is yep. to democratize publishing and development on the web. Yeah. Uh, why, why is it something that you're so passionate about, about kind of giving the little guy the resources to compete with the big guy? Oh, boy, I, you know, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can weave some deep psychological need uh, to help the little guy. Uh, you know, I, I come from a lower middle class family. I lived in a very uh, poor part of Honolulu. Um, but you know, like, listen, I'm not trying to make myself into Nelson Mandela. Okay, so, so, so don't get me wrong. But I don't know. Somewhere along the line, it just got in my brain that you know. The world should be a meritocracy, yeah. and it should not be an aristocracy. And so I've been trying to make things a meritocracy basically my whole career, uh, whether it's for evangelizing Macintosh or design. Uh, a few years ago, I wrote a book called Ape, Author, Publisher, Entrepreneur, mm. which helps people 
write and publish their own book. You know, so I, I was trying to democratize publishing there. And I just want things to have, uh, to remove all the artificial barriers, to make things a meritocracy. Now, now don't get me wrong, okay? So the point of a meritocracy is so that the best can rise to a point of dominance, right? So I'm not telling you I'm a socialist where everybody should have the same thing. I'm telling you lower the fences, have at it, and, you know, winner take all. I'm okay with that. So I don't want you to, you know, think I'm a saint. <laughs> what, uh, what do you actually spend most of your time doing day to day as an evangelist? Are you speaking? Are you educating? Are you doing interviews on podcasts? What do you spend most of your time doing? Uh, if you just looked at the clock, most of the time I'm answering email. <laughs> um, second to answering email is I'm doing social media, some form of social media. And I also, I speak 50 to 75 times a year. I also do maybe 25 webinars mm -hmm. a year. Mm -hmm. And this kind of thing that we're doing right now, this sort of webcast, podcast thing, um, Boy, I must do one a day of these. Wow. So, uh, you know, particularly when a book is launching. And I, listen, in 2015, I have tremendous advantages. I mean, if you look at someone like Dale Carnegie, who wrote the book How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm -hmm. So, what technology did he do? I mean, you know, what did he do? Fill up a hotel ballroom in mm -hmm. 1935, you know? Yeah. So, I have. Pinterest, I have Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email, email li lists with MailChimp. I have Skype with, you know, like, I've never been to Melbourne. Well, actually, I have been to Melbourne. I landed in Melbourne to go to Gold Coast. Uh, but I, that's right, right? Isn't that where you fly to go to Gold Coast? Yeah, that's right. You would, from the States, you'd fly to Melbourne, and then you'd fly up to the Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... So, you know, that's – this interview would not have occurred 10 years ago. Yeah, that's right. You would that's have right. to visit me or I would have to visit you. Yeah. And then you add to go, that to go to meeting and you add to that go, uh, Google Hangouts and wow, I mean, mm. none of this was possible before. One of the reasons I reached out to you is because I'd listened to a podcast of yours on The Growth Show with HubSpot, which, again, I'll put yeah. a link in the show notes because it's worth listening to just – for the humor factor, I was walking the dog around the park and I was in stitches, man. It, uh, and he, and I, listen, watching your TEDx talks as well, humor is something that you use a lot. You use sarcasm, you use self-deprecating humor, and you take the mickey out of people a lot. Um, and I think, I think it serves you very well. Is that How do you stay so lighthearted when you are obviously so busy and in such demand and, and potentially could get so stressed out? Drugs. No. <laughs> Uh, I don't you know. I'm, I just I'm a I don't know. I'm just a happy guy. Um, and it's it's interesting, you know. You could make a, an argument. Well, are people happy, and so good things happen to them, or do good things happen to people and they become happy? Yeah. I, I don't know which happened first, but um, I don't really want to find out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you do when you're not working? How do you how do you stay balanced? Well, you presume I am balanced. <laughs> it's not a good assumption. I set um, myself up for that, didn't I? Yeah, you, did. you sure did. And I, and I just rammed it home, baby. Uh, I, I tell you what, I have four kids. I love to be a father. 
And I also, I love ice hockey. Uh. I play ice hockey almost four or five times a week. I truly love ice hockey. So Awesome. Uh, um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about Canva. Um, yeah. Why Canva? So, so the question I'm really asking here is, what, what is your criteria for knowing that you want to put your energy and your heart and soul into something? And why does Canva fit that criteria? Well, basically, I fell in love. You know, Peg Fitzpatrick, who works with me on social media, showed me Canva and all the things it can do. And, you know, I, I looked at it. I, it. Have you ever used Mac Paint? Uh, no, but I, 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 used PC, I used Windows Paint years ago. So Windows Paint was a ripoff of Mac Paint. Uh -huh. in, yeah. Inspiration. Um, and, you know, if, if when I first used that, I had first used Mac Paint, I had no ability to draw boxes or chart, you know, anything like that, right? Yeah. And so Mac Paint really enabled me to do something that I wanted to do but could never do. And I had the same guttural reaction to Canva that, you know, now if I want to create a new album or cover photo for Facebook or a social media post or a flyer or a business card, you know, I can do that now. Um, I am not going to learn Photoshop. I am not going to be presented with that big blank canvas with 1,000 tools mm -hmm. around it that I have no idea what any of those tools do. So it's very empowering. And Canva reached out to me, uh, and, and they, are, they are in a place where I, I'm not working at Canva in the sense that I'm managing a large group and I'm you know, on the firing line and all that. My job is totally outward focused, mm -hmm. right? So how, how many people might watch this, this um, Oh, well, in, anywhere from anywhere from two and a half to four thousand per episode is what okay. we're averaging at the moment. Okay, so at the end of this, you know, hopefully four thousand people will have heard of Canva who may have not have heard of Canva before, and I hope all four thousand go and look at it to see, you know, what are they talking about? Mm. That you know, Guy Kawasaki would come out of semi-retirement, resurrect his chief evangelist title, and do this. Uh, it is that good. I mean. I haven't been a chief evangelist since 1997, so it's been a while. Mm. Uh, it and, is a, it is a great it is a great product. We we use it here to do all of our social media. We use it to do our images for the podcast. Um, Four thousand people will listen to the episode, but sixteen thousand people will receive an email promoting this episode and Canva. So hopefully we can get more than 4,000 over there for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you got 4,000, we'd be happy. And and you know what? So. The theory goes that okay, so let's let's just fantasize, right? So, four thousand people go, and of the four thousand, you know, some percentage fall in love and start telling their friends, who tell their friends, and who tell their friends, and you know, next thing you know, you have an installed base of five million people, right? Mm. Hallelujah! Mm. That's the way evangelism works because evangelism is when you have other people's best interests at heart. Mm. So, like right now, for example, I don't work for Apple. I have one share of Apple stock. I don't even know how I ended up with only one share, but that's a different story. So now if people say, you know, what computer should I use? I tell them Macintosh. I, like, I don't even think mm. about it. Mm. And it's not because I'm paid by Apple. It's mm. not because I'm on some kind of sales quota. Mm. It's because I really think that I am telling them what's best for them 
as opposed to me because it does not matter to me whether you use a Macintosh or a Windows machine at all. And so, you know, that's a kind of a purity of, of marketing and sales. So evangelism is the purest form of marketing and sales. So now when people ask me, you know, how do I make social media graphics? How do I make a cover photo? How do I make, you know, all this? I tell them, Canva. And yes, I have a conflict of interest because I'm an employee of Canva. But I truly do believe in my heart that I'm actually bringing good news. I am. This is mutually beneficial. I'm telling you about a fantastic product. Mm. that you should use that will make your graphics much better and make your emails better, your social media posts better, make your life better. And, uh, you know, and I get paid to do that. Awesome. And I think it does uh, allow you to come from that place of uh, pure integrity where, you know, I would be telling you this even if I wasn't getting paid, but yes. the reality is I'm getting paid, which makes yeah. it a win-win for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I have to ask, why did you write a, a book on social media? Given that there are so many books on social media and so many social media gurus around, why did you write a book on social media? Because somebody needed to really get down on the ground, knife in your teeth, explaining tactics. Okay, so I'll give you a good example. So many social media experts, which by the way is an oxymoron because nobody truly understands social media, not even me or Peg, okay, yeah. just FYI. <laughs> but, you know, social media experts in books, they all say you need a good profile and avatar, okay. So, you know, all over the world people are writing that down, need a good profile and avatar. And then about... Five minutes later, you should be asking yourself, so what the hell is a good avatar and profile? And how do I get a good avatar profile? So it's kind of a duhism, as we say in Silicon Valley, like duh, of <laughs> course, you need a good avatar and profile. Thank you very much for that insight. Now, how's about telling me what is the components of a good avatar and profile? So our book is about if you want a great avatar, it's only your face, it's asymmetrical, it's front lit, it's not a little picture cropped out of a big smartphone picture, it's the entire picture. So when people click on it and you zoom out, it doesn't pixelate. And so we go into like excruciating detail about what makes a great avatar. Mm -hmm. so, so the difference would be, uh, if, if to use a cooking analogy, you know, these experts in these books, they were at a level of you should cook a good meal. <laughs> oh, thank you. You know, I never thought of that before. I'm so glad I read your book. I was going to create a piece of crap and <laughs> cook this lousy dinner, but now I know. I'm supposed to cook a great one. We are at the level of this is the recipe. This is how you make a great whatever, pasta, great dessert, whatever, right? And it's not even just the recipe. We also go into the power tips. So my favorite power tip for cooking, because I never cook, so I only know one power tip, is that uh, have you ever tried to shell garlic or remove the yeah, husk yeah. garlic? Okay. Yeah. So what many people do is they cut the ends off and they peel it with their fingernail, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, so let me give you the inside scoop on how to do this. So you take your cloves of garlic. You put it in any kind of clothes container, Tupperware, you know, old butter container, whatever it is, close it up, 
and shake it as hard as you can for 60 seconds. Yeah. I guarantee you when you open that thing up, you will see all the cloves perfectly husked yep. and all the husks laying on the side. Okay. So just I'm telling you this great cooking tip because that's the level of tip in the book. We're going to tell you how to shell and husk the garlic. Not simply that you need to cook a good meal. <laughs> so it's all in the, the devil is in the detail. It uh, is. Thank you so for. Is, so is the Buddha. So is the Buddha. Thank you for clarifying that. All right, talking about details, let's do our lightning round. This is a lightning round about freelancing and consulting, and Guy has not read the questions, so this could be very interesting. Uh, quick uh, answers off the top of your head. What's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? They need to know that you need to pay your dues and that um, you, you can't have the attitude that, you know, I'm not going to do anything for free. I'm not going to do anything on spec. My time is valuable. I'm not going to get screwed. Uh, when you're starting out as a freelancer or uh, an independent like this, you know, you have to pay your dues. Uh, when I started speaking, I spoke for free. Mm. Now I won't get on a plane for free. Okay. Mm. If I had the attitude when I first started speaking, if you don't pay me, I won't speak. Today, I would not be speaking because mm. I, I discovered you speak for free. The more you speak for free, the more paid gigs you get. You have to pay your dues. And I think there are some professions where, you know, someplace in their D DNA of the profession, it says, I will not enter contests. I will not do anything on spec because I will not work for free. I am not going to get screwed. So instead, no one will know about me. Yeah. Hmm, that's optimal. So that's my piece of advice. Good answer. What's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? Well, I'll give you a general answer, which is this is called Guy's Golden Touch. <laughs> and, you know, you're close to the Gold Coast of Australia. So Guy's Golden Touch is not whatever is gold turned, oh, excuse me. <laughs> Guy's golden touch is not whatever I touch turns to gold. I wish that was true. It's just not true. Guy's golden touch is whatever is gold guy touches. <laughs> so the key to sales and marketing and evangelism and success is you either find or create something great because it is so easy yeah. to evangelize something great and it is so hard to evangelize something that sucks. Yeah, great answer. How do you stop competing on price? I think you may have just already answered that. <laughs> you, yeah, well, first of all, you know, experts would tell you don't compete on price or those are the people who you know, haven't sold anything lately. So you, at some level, you have to compete on price. I mean, that's just the way it is, right? So you know, Apple charges more than anybody else, but it cannot charge you know, beyond belief, right? So I, listen, I'm not against premium pricing at all, right? But I'm saying that that is one of the variables. Mm -hmm. So don't get all hung up on, you know, I'm getting screwed if I charge too little. Listen, you know, I have a rack rate for my speeches, mm. but I go off the rack rate all the time. Yeah. And what does it take for me to go off rack rate, right? So it's like some company that I love. So mm. if Nike called me up and offered me half of what I usually get, mm. I would take it and ask for a lot of shoes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if yeah. some company wanted me to come to Australia, yeah. you know, I would go off because I love Australia so much, right? And, yeah. you know, it's, I just want to sit at Balmoral Beach outside of Sydney and write. That's like my idea. I'm going to have, when I die, I'm going to spread some ashes in the Bathers Pavilion at Balmoral Beach. Nice. So, so 
on the other hand, so I'm telling you on the one hand, you know, don't start believing that you, you, you can't, you should not compete on price. At some level, you have to compete on price. On the other hand, it should not be only about price. So the goal is that you have a very valuable service that is unique. Because if it's valuable but not unique, it's always about price. And if it's unique but valuable, nobody gives a damn. Mm. So you need to be valuable and unique. Mm. And you said in your TED talk, if it's not unique and it's not valuable, then you're just stupid, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, any tips on writing better proposals? Uh, well, I've never written a proposal, but I would think you know shorter is better, right? Um, I, maybe, listen, again, I haven't done it, so maybe you, you do need to write 30-page proposals, but I don't know. I mean... Everything else in the world is one page. I don't know why a proposal has to be 30. Great um, answer. Do you, do, you have a, do you have a favorite tool for CRM? Do you have like one of those CRM tools that you use to keep track of everyone? And CRM as in? Custom, uh, customer customer relationship management. This is my CRM tool. Uh, <laughs> for those who aren't watching, this guy's pointing to his brain. <laughs> uh, what's, the best way to keep a, what's the best way to keep a project on track? Uh, to have four tuitions that you have to pay for your kids. At your <laughs> yes, that's right. Someone once said to me, a mortgage makes men more productive. That's true. Yeah, yeah, it is that true. That is so true. That's so true. Uh, two final questions in the Elevation Round. Any ideas for getting referrals from existing customers? Do a great job. Duh. Yeah, great answer. And uh, what's the number one thing that you can do to differentiate yourself? Do a great job. Do a great no. job. <laughs> awesome. Hey, uh, just before we wrap up, because I know we are tight for time, competition announcement this week. As I said, I'm giving away a copy of Guy's book, uh, The Art of the Start. Your job is to go to guykawasaki.com, which is built on WordPress, and then leave a comment underneath this video, which will be at wpelevation.com slash guykawasaki, and give Guy some feedback on his WordPress website, uh, which should be pretty easy for you guys as WordPress consultants. I'll get Guy to swing by in a couple of weeks and award that prize. Hey, Guy Kawasaki, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the podcast. Um, final yeah. question, who would you like me to try and interview and why? Uh, I think you should interview a guy named Emmanuel Rosen. Uh, Emmanuel Rosen wrote a book called Absolute Value. Mm. And abs the premise of Absolute Value is that it's no longer a pyramid where the top of the pyramid tells the middle and the bottom of the pyramid what to buy and do. That now, because of social media and the internet, you're not waiting for the New York Times book review to review Guy's book in order to determine if you should buy Guy's book. Now, the day after Guy's book is available, you go to Amazon, you read the reviews, you see that he's averaging five stars, right? And you buy the book. You're not waiting for an expert to tell you the book is good. You're, you have no idea who these people are. And, and so in a world where information does not disseminate from top to down or from top to bottom, uh, this changes all of marketing. And so now, you know, nobodies are the new somebodies. And this is a very, very important concept. Um, it changes fundamentally marketing. And that's the premise of absolute value. Of course, I told you so much. Maybe you don't need to read the book now. But <laughs> So Emmanuel Rosen would be a very good person. All right. Well, Emmanuel Rosen, I'm coming to get you for the podcast courtesy <laughs> of Guy Kawasaki. So keep your eyes on your inbox. 
Once again, thank you so much for your time. We're thank huge you. fans of Canva here, and I will leave a link to canva.com underneath the show notes, and everyone listening and watching should get over and check out Canva and take it for a spin, and it's free, uh, which we love. So, uh, and it's made in Australia. Just it like is, Canva. made in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks again, Guy, for your time. Really appreciate it, and uh, keep in touch. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed meeting Guy Kawasaki as much as I did. Subscribe to the podcast at wpelevation.com slash subscribe. Or if you're on iTunes, if you're on an iPhone, get on over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast there. Just search for WP Elevation or WordPress podcast in the iTunes store. And please leave us a rating and a review because it really does help us come up in the search results and reach a wider audience and have a good impact on more WordPress consultants just like your good self. Uh, Of course, leave some comments underneath this video and tell Guy how he could improve his WordPress website and you'll go into the draw to win a copy of his book, The Art of the Start, and I'll get Guy to swing by in a couple of weeks and award those prizes. Next week on the podcast, if I'm not mistaken, we have none other than Joe Polizzi from the Content Marketing Institute, which I'm absolutely thrilled about. I've been following Joe for a long time on his blog, so if you want to know anything about content marketing, make sure you listen to next week's episode of the podcast. Uh, Until then, I've been Troy Dean. Go Elevate.